This is the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore, joined today by Dave Green. How you doing, Dave? I'm fine, Bob. Thank you kindly for asking. We're going to talk about cemeteries and uh, to a great extent, the history of cemeteries and how they're uh, doing today. We're on the line with Craig Telusky of Ballston Lake. And Dave, uh, why don't you uh, lead this off? You met Craig in a cemetery. True. I met uh, Craig for really the second time just a couple of weeks ago. I was taking my nightly walk. Craig was in the cemetery. He will tell you why. Conversation went from there, and I kind of picked up on the fact that he mentioned the plight of cemetery, the cemetery and cemeteries, I guess, in New York State. Okay. Why were you at the cemetery, Craig? Well, unfortunately, uh, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, June, um, we lost our middle child. Our daughter was in her mid-20s and passed away of an undiagnosed uh, heart arrhythmia. Um, And we live just down the street from Dave over closer to the Northway off exit 11. And we wanted to have Chris as close to home as we could, and East Line sits right there on the corner of Round Lake Road and East Line Long Kill, and that was our decision, and uh, so we've we've been involved there for the last 10 years. Mm. Uh, well, certainly, I'm, I'm sorry for your loss. Uh, Thank you. And also, it, it kind of caught me up a bit short because... I recently had an episode of uh, cardiac arrhythmia as a as an older man, um, and you have formed an organization. Can you tell us just a bit about that before we get uh, talking about cemeteries? Sure. We, um, of course, when this happened, it caught us blindly, and we had to do as much research as we could quickly with background from uh, the medical community. And uh, our particular issue is called long QT is is an arrhythmia and um, it's genetic we were all tested my wife and my other daughter were found to have been carrying the defective gene that causes this it's an electrical disorder in the heart my son uh, and I were were found not to be carrying the defective gene so we reached out did some research found an organization based in Utah Um, the diagnosis of the disease is not that old it's only been in the late 50s early 60s that it was diagnosed as a specific arrhythmia and and um, given a name long QT and then since then there have been different chromosomes affecting the genes, so there's a long QT, one, two, three. I think they're up into the teens now. That's called the SADS Foundation, the Sudden Arrhythmia Death Syndrome um, Foundation out of Utah. It's a national awareness uh, trade group. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we hooked up with them for as much information as they could supply us. And then we wanted to do what we could. Um, you know, if Chris had been diagnosed accurately from a couple different uh, symptoms, fainting, uh, sudden alarm, uh, those kinds of things, uh, she might have been saved had the ICD defibrillator that Barbara and, and Melissa both have now to protect them, at least put on beta blockers. And we formed a local uh, foundation. We call it Christie's Hearttoberfest. And in the fall, we have a big fundraiser up at the state park. And all the proceeds we raise goes to SADS. And it's just trying to raise a awareness for people um, that, you know, don't uh, could could get caught in the same position mm-hmm. we found ourselves in. Yeah. And I must say, I'm, I'm part of that club that you're 
uh, family members are in. I have one of those uh, implanted defibrillators as well. So you're very familiar. Yeah. Well, uh, and I'm glad to hear that you're doing this. You call it, uh, maybe you said this, Christie's Hartoberfest, because you have yep. this in October. Yeah, we usually September or October. It's kind of a, a Oktoberfest style picnic, food and drink. Most of our money's raised through raffles. We raffle off trip packages. We have a couple silent auction items. We have probably anywhere from 50 to 70 bag raffle items. You know, you walk along, drop your tickets in bag and stuff like that. We call the winners at, at the end of the day. And um, this is this was our tenth one. We just had this past September and. Over the 10 years, we've raised uh, with this one um, over $130,000 that we've mailed to SADS. I believe you said that you decided to, to uh, bury Christie's body at the East Line Union Cemetery because it's close to your home. Or, yes. And your family had not had burials there before? No reason to. Hmm. And no, we're, we're from up north, so our parents, Barbara and my parents, are born uh, are uh, buried up in Essex County in Mariah, Port Henry area. So we live in this area. Um, you know, we're in our 60s. Our, our kids are pretty close in age. At the time we lost Chris, they were all three in their mid-20s. So you know, we never had an occasion, and uh, you know, and, and it's not something that um, you know anybody would be very interested in. Mm. Now the and, and, uh, Eastline Union Cemetery, though, uh, has has worked its way into our historians podcast uh, a couple of times uh, in the uh, I guess over years now that we've been uh, producing these uh, these programs. It is rather near uh, where Dave lives, and right. although it's it's an ongoing cemetery, I mean people are still being buried there. Uh, some of the graves there go go way back, do they not? Yes. Um, what we do, it's it's about uh, an acre and a half, and um, it's divided. There's a line of trees that divide it, and, and we call it the, the old and the new section, the new section more to the east of East Line Road. And that was added uh, a, a while back. Um, the cemetery purchased additional land. The old section, which actually sits on the corner of, of Round Lake Road and Long Kill there, uh, dates back to a lot of Revolutionary War veterans and their families are buried there. Um, our history, we, we have records, pretty good records, and I've been trying to digitalize some of them, bring them up into modern times. And... Uh, we have them alphabetical, so we could go through and see, um, you know, how many of of, of, of a, a particular family or name are are in there. I think the biggest one, biggest group is is the Burr family, B-U-R-R. -R, uh, that we have 14 of those burials. The Clarks, 14 of those burials. But when we look at ranking, uh, uh, sorting it by death date and burial our earliest one we have on record we have probably two dozen or more that we don't have accurate records of when it actually happened and when we go there and look at the tablet style headstone it's 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 impossible to get the date off it you just you just can't read it so there's a number of those the earliest we have record of is march 29th 
of 1774. Mm. And that was an Eliza Gorham was 86 years old. And her headstone was actually erected by her beloved grandchildren, it says. Oh. That's the and earliest record we have in 1774. We, uh, we suspect that a number of the couple dozen others um, with similar names, Johnson, Irish, Durr, Dunning, you know, names that are common to our, our area around Saratoga County. There's probably some that are uh, predate that, but we just don't have the records for it. If I could go back to something you said a couple of minutes ago, a dumb question, I'm sure, but you said there are quite a few Burrs, B-U-R-R, buried there. Any thought that they're related to Aaron Burr, the uh, no notorious public first, figure first, of that day? First thought I had. First thought I had. And um, we, we don't have any indication of that or any record of that. Um, you know, I had done some genealogy studying on my own um, for my own families and my wife's families. I'm, I'm sure if someone wanted to, as as common a name as it is, they could they could track a lot of this because, you know, with the pardon me, the data that we have, we we can tell that say a Lucretia Burr uh, died at 84, age 84 and was buried on August 22nd of 1792. So with, with that much data and, and accurate data, it's easy tracking with the county, the town clerk, uh, the state archives. You know, it's, it's relatively easy to do family genealogy when you have enough accurate data. Somebody could probably go back and, and, and see if there's a connection there somewhere. And, I, and I'm guessing way back. I don't know if they'd go back to the Mayflower, but probably a connection somewhere. Okay. Craig Toloski is with us. And I believe you are, you're now active with the cemetery board as secretary treasurer. You still hold that post? Yes. Okay. Uh, with the uh, East Line Union Cemetery, uh, his uh, daughter is, is buried there. And uh, cemeteries, uh, when Dave Green was explaining how he met you and you had a chit-chat about uh, cemeteries. And I kind of know this myself from uh, the cemeteries where my elders are buried up in Amsterdam, uh, New York. Uh, cemeteries kind of have a have a, a tough road to hoe uh, financially, do they not? Yes. Um, I, I just came back two weeks ago. There was um, a state, there's an association that the cemeteries um, are controlled in, by the Department of State, the Division of Cemeteries uh, actually oversee them in the state, have, have you know, statutes and rules we have to follow, and they oversee us. We just had an audit. It's about every three years. They come in. They make sure you're maintaining it properly. They go through your books. They go through your records. Are you recording everything properly? Where do you keep it? Safekeeping, those kinds of things. And so, so we just had that, and we had a meeting that I was at, um, and and there's two big problems. One one is financial, and the other is just just active support. Um, and the and the sad part is, um, you know, people get involved. Uh, I I remember how I'll never forget the comment when I went to my first meeting, and someone and I'm sure the last thing on their mind was to hurt anybody's feelings, and and I know it wasn't by intention, but you know, they said, 
we're glad to get new blood onto the board or active in the cemetery. Well, yes. you know, there was, there's only one reason I was there. It wasn't because I walked by and like, you know, like the looks of it and say, hey, you know what? I want to donate some time and energy there and make sure that's upkeep. So it's hard to get new people. It's hard to get young people, uh, even those that find themselves tragically involved it, it, to, to say, do you want to be involved? No, I just I'll come visit my, my loved one and that's it. And then financially, one of the effects has been in our area is the uh, National Cemetery up in Stillwater, the Gerald Solomon Cemetery. So a lot of veterans are electing to be buried there, either because they want to be recognized as a veteran and because it doesn't cost them anything and mm. and their family you know mem- members their their spouse so local cemeteries like us um would lose people like that there's a a statue senator larkin out of newburgh uh introduced and got a bill passed that the state with some federal funding would allow a veteran to be buried in his local cemetery if he so chooses and there'd be funds available for that. So it takes a little of that financial incentive to, you know, let's go to Stillwater because it's it doesn't cost the family anything. And, you know, uh, so th- those are the, the two main concerns. And then, you know, trying to get donations and contributions isn't that easy. Usually if someone dies, you might get one at that point. But, you know, ongoing, it's difficult. And, and, and to go out and solicit them, it's difficult. Mm. Well, uh, I, I don't know. Let me just go on about some of my cemetery connections. Seems to, seems to me um, when my uh, sweetie and I recently visited France, and we have friends over there, and we went to uh, several French cemeteries, and at one of them, I'm quite sure I got the, uh, the, the supposedly the story was, well, it, here's the cemetery, and the graves were uh, tremendous, you know, had tremendous decorations. You know, they had pictures and all all of that there, and. Uh, but the story was that once that stopped, they would um, it's like erase that grave or, you know, just, um, you know, not keep it up. That, that they would just let let that or that or a whole section just go to, to, to something else. At a certain point in time? Yeah. yeah wow. Um, because you wonder how long people will keep, um, you know, keep things up. I, I know that again, my family, my uh, wife died, and she was Roman Catholic, and so I, you know, went to a Catholic cemetery. It's quite near our house. It's uh, Saint Anthony's up in Glenville, but you, you, and it's a big cemetery, you know, very well maintained right now. But you wonder what's going to happen to that in the future. I mean, it was basically uh, uh, the cemetery of an Italian parish. It was just up there recently, and there are a lot of Italian names, but now. But now it's open to all who, and I, I think you have to be Catholic or have some kind of Catholic connection to be buried there. But the, you know, the Catholic Church is involved in caring for that cemetery, so maybe they have a, I don't know, what a better shot of of keeping going. Although I'm sure maybe the church would dispute that. Yeah, I would think as as long as as long as the church is still going, if a particular parish closed, they would, um, you know, be taken over by another parish. Um, that one of the things that, you know, I, th- I think they're pretty strict in their rules and regulations. And one of the things I learned at this meeting was, you know, somebody commented that, gee, it sounds like it's a business. Well, the sad part is whenever you're looking for financial support, it's, you've got, you got to have a, you know, 
approach it with a business head. And, um, you know, it's it's m making people aware of the cemetery and, and having activities there. So my way back from Oneonta, I'm, I'm in the car, think, think time. And I said, you know, we should do something. The revolution, um, you know, that was important in our history, to say the least. And maybe Veterans Day, because we, we don't do anything. We have an annual meeting. We're required to do that, and, and we do it faithfully. But maybe Veterans Day have the town historian. For us, uh, we're located in the town of Malta, so have the town of Malta historian help us with some research and have some veterans and have it publicized. So you, you know, you had people there, maybe a little flag ceremony, maybe point out some of the, the oldest veterans in there from, from the revolution, you know, just to get positive publicity and, and support in the community because, you know, people people might not know about it mm -hmm. or, or know much much about it. So I, I think that's import, important, too. Yeah. One, one of well, the things uh, that yeah. happens is yeah. the if you abandon it, and, and that would happen if you ran out of money or you couldn't get three trustees. You have to have a minimum of three trustees. It gets abandoned to the local town. The state requires that of a town. In their only requirement, they don't have to continue to sell lots if they're available. And their only maintenance requirement is to, to mow the cemetery three times a year. Mm. So that's always a concern that, you know, what will it be like? Um, you know, I've, I've vowed as long as I'm, I'm healthy and able that, that that won't happen. But, you know, I, I won't live forever. Well, I think you raise a good point, uh, and maybe the connection between historians or a show like this and cemeteries uh, about uh, the historians are very interested in cemeteries, obviously. Um, and there's a out of uh, Amsterdam, again, my hometown, a, a story about how the local historic Amsterdam League, which is the you know, history or historian or his history society, I should say, for Amsterdam. For some years now, they do an annual Halloween tour of the cemetery, which happens to be, um, well, this particular cemetery is called Green Hill, Green Hill Cemetery in Amsterdam. It is, if you're familiar with the term, one of the rural cemeteries. Uh, in the 1800s, there was a, a trend in cemetery creation to put them in or near urban centers, but make them rural, make them park-like so that people would like to go there. And so Green Hill's really in the middle of, of Amsterdam, again, right next to the uh, city hall. And they have these tours and they have different people dress up as historical figures who are buried in the cemetery. And it's become a huge uh, hit. I mean, every uh, October they have uh, large crowds uh, that, that that come to take part in that. And it, uh, I would presume it helps the Green Hill Cemetery Board, you know, raise its level of awareness and maybe get some donations. No, I'm sure. I mean, that, that's, a, that's exactly the, you know, the things that, that went through my mind on, on the way back from the car. Um, just, just an interesting note, not trying to be cute, but um, this was a statewide association and um, people from all over. And they said that the uh, Sleepy Hollow, uh, of course, with um, Ichabod Crane and the Headless Horseman, and they, they have something on Halloween and they said people come from Long Island, New York City, New Jersey, thousands and thousands of people come up to that cemetery in Westchester um, on Halloween for, for a similar event that you're describing in Amsterdam. 
Yeah. Uh, and, you know, this kind of jumps around to something you were discussing before about uh, many of the veterans are, are buried at the uh, official veteran cemetery uh, in, in Saratoga County. Uh, another trend, is it not, or I mean, I'm just sort of, you know, I've not studied this issue, but it would just seem to me about people I know who, you know, are, you know, have had recent deaths in their families, they aren't burying their loved ones at all. They're keeping their, the ashes or scattering the ashes and, uh, you know, right. ceremonies of that kind. Yes. And, you know, one, one, because again, financially, it's less of a burden on the family, a, a cremation versus a traditional burial, funeral and burial, um, with, with the Catholic church specifically saying, okay, we're, we're not going to ban it anymore. Uh, you, you can actually bring an, an urn into the church for the funeral service. So there isn't that barrier to, to doing it. So, so, you know, everybody trying to adjust to these changes, uh, Bethlehem has a large cemetery. There's a lady, Mrs. Newell, uh, that's a volunteer. Was a volunteer there. Is now in a consulting business for for, for funeral industry. Um, they had a. There's a word I I just learned called columbarium, uh, and that's like a mausoleum, but it's where you would put an urn versus a traditional casket. So they they build one of those in the cemetery and sell those spaces. Uh, or have what they call um, all of this is you know it's kind of bizarre when you have these conversations, but it's it's life and you have to deal with it. Um, a, a scattering garden they call it. So they scatter the ashes in this specific designated space that's well maintained with shrubs and flowers and some plaques, and then you know if the children want to go see where their grandmother is, you know it's not well. She's, you know, we, we went to the lake and, and went out in the boat and spread her ashes. Um, they're here. Here's the scattering garden where Grandma is. So, you know, it's all of these changes in, in how society's treating it uh, are, are causing people to, to adjust, and, and hopefully in positive ways, you know, I hope. Mm -hmm. Craig Tulaski is uh, with us, Secretary-Treasurer of the Eastline Union Cemetery in Malta, New York. Another development uh, in, in cemeteries, there's a young man that I know, Ryan Whites uh, by name, and he's a, uh, well, I say a young man, and he was very interested in history when he was 18 and became Fultonville, New York, historian. I, I believe he's an engineer or some sort of technical job, and he's out and about working now, but he still lives in that area and uh, was elected to the county legislature. But in terms of cemeteries, he before he, he got his job in his chosen career, he spent some time and may still uh, be associated with, and I'm, I'm, I'm grasping for the correct words, and maybe you know them, Craig, uh, it, it's like uh, called an original burial cemetery or something like that. In other words, they don't embalm the bodies. They use a wooden casket and uh, and other things that will disintegrate over time, and uh, uh, and I think they even have rather temporary markers because they know that eventually uh, everything in there will de uh, decompose. And I believe there's a cemetery such as that up in Fultonville, and I know this TV show I was involved in called Agewise uh, talked about a similar cemetery out in Rochester. I hadn't heard that term. I, I'm not. I'm not familiar with that. 
Yeah. So it's in, in, in interesting to say the least. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm trying to think what, uh, you know, well, anyway, uh, I, I don't think that would um, grow very rapidly. I mean, it doesn't appear to have, but it's another, another yeah. possibility. I, I suppose you'd say. Yeah. Also, I remember when I was young that we would visit the cemetery a lot with my family. And I must confess that I don't do that much, you know, my, myself very often. It just so happens I was up in the um, St. Anthony Cemetery recently. But I certainly can understand how y you feel and you, you want to be there as much as you can. Uh, but is that another issue as well? I mean, people... That it used to be more part of the culture, it seems to me, to you know decorate the graves on Memorial Day and so forth. Yeah, I I don't know. You know, we've we've we're not taking credit for anything, but you know, we got uh, active there, and and we we had to spend our energy on something, so we we didn't go crazy. Um, you know, we we put a new fence in there to kind of spruce up the look of of the cemetery, and some of the things we did seemed. I don't know if it gave people ideas that well, I want to do that too, or oh, I get I guess it's okay to do that because if they're familiar themselves or people they know with with say a sectarian cemetery that's pretty rigid in some of their rules you know you will do this you won't do this this is when you will do this and it's one of the things we surely didn't need the aggravation of somebody telling us what we could or couldn't do um and, and we've seen a change we think in the in the last 10 years of of an increase in activity of uh, visits maybe and and things, whether it's a, a, a pumpkin at Halloween, whether it's a Christmas tree decorated or not at, at the holiday time, uh, you know, those those kinds of things. So, uh, I, you know, it's, it's almost like you, you need a driving force, um, you know, and I think it's so personal, even with our own family, you know, neither of our children uh, like to go there. And, and I don't sit them down and question them and say, why and why don't you? And um, surely wouldn't tell them I'd really like it if you did. That wouldn't be fair. But just, just my wife and I, are, you know, feel differently about that. I like the fact that I can ride my bike or walk over there whenever I want to and, and maybe go daily. And, and Barbara doesn't like to. She, she surely doesn't in the colder just dreary weather she just thinks that adds to the to the burden but uh you know it's just it's so personal that um you know some people and it's they don't they don't like to face the fact that you know i, I i'm guessing just a guess on my part that i'm i'm going to be there someday and if i can avoid it i i, I will mm. just don't talk about just don't talk about it what do you do you go in the winter with the snow yeah and, yeah or? that's one of the things we've changed um used to be closed so once the first snow fell you just you, you couldn't go you could park along the side of the road and kind of trudge in if if you had the energy um but now um what we do is we we pay uh to have a fella plow the main driveway in the new section just from the road into the flagpole that way somebody isn't parking unsafely on the edge of the road which there aren't parking spaces there it's a pretty busy highway there on round lake road and and lets people come in park and if they want to walk through the deep snow and i've noticed the last few years people do what i do they kind of shovel a little path so if anybody else wants to go in and, and go visit their loved one they want to make it you know if somebody wants to go see christy i want to make it as easy as i possibly can throughout the year so 
Uh, I know other places don't. They they kind of close down for the winter and just say, you know, we we aren't going to have any burials after a certain point, and so you know, why worry about visitors and maybe possibly somebody slip and fall and get hurt and stuff like that. Well, Craig Talosky, I thank you very much for joining us on the Historians Podcast. We've been talking with the Craig about the East Line Union Cemetery in Malta, New York, which is where his daughter uh, Christy is uh, buried. If you want to make a donation, uh, where, 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 where do people send a donation, Craig? Well, it'd, be, it'd come to my attention, all of the financial records, the bank books, and this, the town and in state records and reports we do uh, come to my attention. Uh, it's Craig, T-O-L-O-S-K-Y, at 7 Applewood Drive, that's all one word, in Ballston Lake, 12019. And they can just address it to me or address it to me as the secretary-treasurer of, of East Line Union. Craig Talosky, thank you very much, and have a good day. I appreciate it.